The Women in Gridiron Show is a production of Mojo Sports in partnership with the Women's Gridiron Leagues of Australia. Welcome back to another episode of the Women in Gridiron Show. Last week, we released a rewind episode, which was with Heather Marini, uh, quarterback's coach from Brown University. She's got a great story, so I suggest if you haven't had a had a listen to that one, go back and have a listen to it. But I also wanted to say a big congratulations to the Boston Renegades for winning a their fifth straight WFA championship, which is Heather's team over in America. So good job, Renegades. Um, I was actually really lucky to meet one of their owners. She came over uh, to Sydney for... Uh, like Mardi Gras or Fair Day, and I met her, uh, and Michelle. She's lovely. So congratulations, everyone out there. Um, and, yeah, go back, have a listen to her story. She's got a great story, especially from a coaching perspective. This week, with the news that Gridiron Queensland has committed to a women's football season for 2023, we've decided to make it all about Queensland. And, uh, I mean, let's face it, a lot of the Gridiron talk is about Queensland because you guys just win everything. Anyway, so but different, different story. Segue back to women. It's football finally coming back to Gridiron Queensland. Christy, I'm going to let you introduce both of our guests for tonight because you've had the pleasure of playing alongside and with both of them. And uh, as a collective, you guys are very enthusiastic about the uh, new upcoming season of women's football. Yeah, so I thought I'd keep it really simple and get the Rileys since we have so many Rileys in our uh, Queensland team as well. So we have the veteran, um, probably doesn't need any introduction, but Riley Hodgson. So um, plays everywhere, but particularly known for her wide receiving skills. Um, and also Riley um, uh, that has come in as a rookie. So we'll call her Rookie Riley. Um, Riley Douglas has come in as a rookie and was uh, you uh, kind of came famous as a running back for the Queensland Sun Devils, which um, I was pretty proud about. Um, so uh, we thought we'd get sort of different views of how the Queens this Queensland season might impact and what it means to people from both a veteran and from a rookie standpoint. So welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Keen to be here. Look, I mean, it's been it's been three years, three years in Queensland without women's competition, has it? Two. Yeah, doing a bit. Yeah, I mean, COVID. I mean, we've you know we've discussed at length you know around how Queensland has ended up in the predicament that they're in, but I think ultimately, would you guys put it down like Riley? I'm, oh, this is already confusing. <laughs> Veteran Hojo. Hojo, specifically, do you think that COVID was like the catalyst for how? everything has ended up like how how, the catalyst for how it started the downfall of the participation in Queensland yeah 100% like unfortunately we were declining a bit with numbers leading up to that uh, 2019 season Um, but then COVID hitting and just not being able to engage with anybody the way that we usually do which is usually by fundraising you know sausage sizzles meet and greets at clubs or in the shopping centers things like that were just out of the out of the question um so putting together something like the 2020 season we had which was just the two teams at 11 aside was just kind of like a it was all again veterans that just really wanted to 
really wanted to play, like everybody was sort of missing it, but you could just tell that without something, without actually like working towards getting more numbers, we just weren't, we weren't going to have a season preceding that. Yeah. And Moran, I think, uh, you know, we, we spoke about this earlier and uh, uh, we said that, you know, you kind of have to hit rock bottom before, you know, you can think of something completely outside the box that you could do that potentially could restart this whole thing. And I think, you know, uh, there's been four teams that have come out, but I know you guys are doing a bunch of open days. So I guess the competition looks a little bit, it may look a little bit different. And I think that, you know, from a GQ perspective, um, there's some, you know, ways that this might work. Yeah, so um, and I want to recognise, uh, as always, there's a lot of work that's gone behind the scenes and there have been some uh, female, former female players or current female players that have done a lot of that. Um, and, uh, and and GA, uh, Gridiron Australia, recognised that this pro- uh, that the Women's League probably needs its own attention as well. So a subcommittee has been stood up um, and we do have a couple of reps in Brandy, Klukas and um, Gracie Power for Queensland, but we also have a GQ board member in Cody fuller um that's also representing the women's league so i know that they've um done a fair bit of work and gq have been um board have been very understanding that this is a priority um for the women so there's been a lot of work that's gone behind so there were eois sent out just to get um uh, a sense of how many people were looking to play again um and i think like we were saying um we will have to look at things a bit differently to how we normally do rather than going to each club and saying okay who th- can everyone try and stand up a women's team and getting 5 to 10 and nobody actually having a team we may have to reduce the numbers of teams at first um and start building we just have to start building again and hopefully like um Podjo said um, it's been the veterans and, and, and we're starting to, you know, I was going to say die out, not, not that drastic, but we're definitely starting to move on and we need that injection, um, of the, the rookie Rileys, um, to come in. So, um, what I have heard and what is pleasing is that of those EOIs, there is a huge chunk of rookies never played from other sports that have signed up. Now, yes. Um, I, I say all this, we're excited about it. It's a great start. The conversion rate to actually getting people, um, you know, paying their fees and playing is another thing. But I've, least- I've called it, I've, I've dubbed it, and I was, I don't know where I was looking at this information, but I was trying to recruit for football and I must have been reading something to do with philosophy or, or whatever it was. And I came across this theory and it's called the law of diminishing returns which is basically the old adage of you invite 40 people to a party and 10 people show up. So like, yes, it's all so well and good. And we all love this part of the season, uh, pre-season. You're like, yeah, my mate's coming down and I'm bringing a friend and she's going to bring a friend and everyone's going to bring friends and and then we're all going to be here. And then it comes time to show up and there's five people. Um, So yeah, like the EIYs are great. And it's so good that you guys have got so many numbers, but let's just hope that the conversion process actually happens. And I think in regards to that, like how we maintain communication to players to try and, you know, it, it just needs a bit of structure and a bit of thinking around coming up with creative ways to keep people engaged. Hojo, in terms of how the competition might look from a perspective, from a veteran perspective, like, uh, you know, would you be unopposed to going down to like sevens? Like I, I know that like later on before the demise of, of the last of, of Queensland, pre-COVID you know you guys were pretty hell for leather on going 11 aside because the numbers were there like is the attitude changed now that you could potentially look at facilitating a smaller smaller game size 
I'd like to see a few options, to be honest. I don't think <clears throat> I would like seven aside to be like the last resort. Um, I just think it doesn't limit your gameplay or anything like that, but it's just, it's a different game than we've been playing up here. And it is, for me, it's a lot easier and it might help. It might help bring it up if we start at seven aside, but I would really like it to to not. I would love it to start at even if we did three teams at nine aside or something like that if we couldn't get the four teams just because that quality of the game, I think, for me anyway, just playing nine and then 11. Like once you play 11, you don't want to even come back to nine. Um, so to then drop down to even lower, um, yeah, I just I, I hope that it's like the last resort and it's something we don't actually have to do, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to do it. Like every we just want to play. Um but yeah, I just think I just think the quality of game that we'd get won't be what nine aside could be. Um and that's that kind of electricity that we need to to make it worthwhile for these other athletes to to change sports because that's essentially what we need to do um and having played afl and, and league in the last five years and in the off season essentially for gridiron a lot of the girls don't want to give up their time or their health to potentially especially with aflw nrlw and all that coming up you want to make sure that what they're coming to is going to be quality so that they love the game and they want to come back even with their other sports on the side. So, yeah, I don't – I would hate for it to get to that, but if we have to, I'll be happy to do it. <clears throat> I had a really quick question just coming from, obviously, New South Wales where we've had seven aside for years and years because I think the – I mean, it's, it's an area we're going to talk about it, but I've always been a promotion of nine sides since I started playing. I was like, let's go and – and there's always that pushback from teams because they were worried they'd fall off and they didn't have the numbers. But coming now, restarting your league, if you had to choose between, say, and this was always our, our dilemma, four clubs and having seven aside versus three clubs and having nine aside and you drop off that team, which do you decide? So I think we always went with let's have more, you know, more clubs, more teams, let's make the league bigger. But then we always we were stuck for a little while. Um, and, you know, this year we're still going to be a struggle as we step up to nine and some teams are like, we may not have the numbers to compete. So it is, uh, it's kind of that dilemma question, more clubs or less clubs, but get to play at a higher level game. So my thought, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd love to see the, like, potential, the potential of even if you could do the four teams and if you can make the nine aside potentially that week. You can do it. The other team can make it. Cool, you play nine aside. If the other team can't, you drop down to seven. I think the biggest issue with going nine aside is injuries. You always get injuries and that sucks. So seven aside would be the safer option. But then if you've got enough to do seven aside on four teams, having the two extra players potentially or three extra players come from that other team makes up those numbers in the in the what would have been seven aside, now nine aside. Um, I mean, we did it, uh, well, I was about to say a couple of years ago, it was back in like 2015, um, where 
Stingrays and University of New South Wales, maybe, Raiders, I can't remember. We did like an exhibition game up on the Gold Coast where we played half the game nine aside, half the game seven aside, so that it was fair because New South Wales only played seven aside, we only played nine aside, but it was the, the top two teams across both states playing each other. Um, and it was a heap of fun, but that seven aside for me, I was just like, like we went nine aside first half, seven aside second half, and I was just like, it essentially comes down to who's quicker, if you can get around the edge, like, and, yeah, I just, it, it would be, if it's one of those scraping numbers sort of things, by all means, like, do whatever's best for the for the league, like, that would be for me. And I, I and I came down and obviously played a season down in New South Wales, and it and it is very much a different game. Um, and I agree with Hojo there about uh, keeping it in the back pocket, um, but not be our go-to. I think one of the good things that we did do in the Queensland League is our first inaugural season was seven aside, but we moved to nine aside the very next season. Um, so that second season was a nine aside season. I think where we may have gone wrong, um, retrospectively looking back at it was that we then tried to expand to too many clubs. Um, because we went from, I think about four to suddenly seven and maybe we should have consolidated just some of those clubs first. Um, and, and now that flag's a big thing too. So with sport, you often have that, um, modified short, fast version. So you've got that for netball. You've got that for, uh, big bash cricket and all of that sort of stuff. Very exciting and stuff. But I think, um, with flag coming in, I know it's again a different game, but it's modified. It's that fast version. It's that seven aside. So, um, I would like to keep us at nine plus, um, up here if we can, but it's, it's a backpot pot pocket option and I think um I think for the benefits of people like rookie Riley Riley Douglas um coming in and learning nine aside that she's already um got some great experience that um some uh gridiron New South Wales players won't have had so um and that's what's probably made us formidable uh in nationals and things like that so um yeah I think and, and I don't know, I'm throwing out it. So we've had this discussion in GNSW. We've always toed and froed about going up to nine. And, you know, there is a tipping point of, you know, I think it's five teams at nine aside, I think, like, is the magic number for when it gets too, like, it gets too out of hand from that numbers perspective. I feel like that's that's the magic number there. But, um, you know, I was often told, you know, why don't you guys consider eight aside? And I was like, eight aside, like, what is this eight aside football? Looking into it, it's actually what they play over in Texas in high school more. They don't play seven, they play eight as their minimum, which means you can essentially run a full full field on one side of, of the ball. Um, so that's you know, that's an option. It's it's an interesting thing to look at um and consider too. But I mean, if we're thinking outside the box, that's outside the box thinking. Riley Douglas, obviously we haven't heard from you because we were talking retrospectively. However, you made such an impact uh, at the State of Origin this season. Uh, it was great to see some fresh blood uh, in that running back room. Sorry, Moran, no offense taken. Um, but she's, she's pretty good. She's pretty good. Uh, coming in from uh, rookie straight into nationals, like highest level of competition at you know where we're at at the moment, was it very overwhelming? Like what made you fall in love with the game? Like why are you still here and working so hard to get it up, you know, going in now, now that you've played high and you've got to go back low again to club level? 
Um, well, yeah, I started, I think it was about September, October last year. And then, um, so we were getting ready for the season and then that got taken away from us. And I was talking to some of the other girls who had been waiting, you know, two or three seasons to play. And I, I, I didn't know that at the time that it had been canceled for a second time. So, um, yeah, hearing that I was, that just made me want to keep playing because it made me want to push for the other girls to have a season or at least at least some form of game to keep going. So when they announced in the new year the State of Origin series, definitely was keen. Um, was I wouldn't say scared, but uh, I felt slightly underprepared. But, um, you know, Kay and all the rest of the girls helped me there, definitely. And so what was it, like, we're talking like complete rookie perspective and a lot of us have not been rookies for over, almost a decade now. Uh, you know, what's it like coming in as a, as a rookie this day and age? Um, well, I feel like I had a lot of, um, like I've played football before, so I, I came from a rugby background. So I I had the confidence to, you know, run the ball and all that. So I just need to needed to, you know, flesh out the other details. But um it did help to know the or most of the girls ahead of time as well to to get to know them, not just like jump into training. I think that's scary for a lot of new rookies to come in. If they don't know anyone, they just come to training. It's it's a bit scary like that. That's a fair point. Definitely. You know, social yeah. I think the social aspect of it is what, you know, keeps people together. Moran, I saw your little smirk there where Riley was like, I know how to run the ball. It was just a couple of little uh, details just to finesse. Yeah. So, um, and and I actually, interestingly, I it's like a swap here. So uh, Riley, uh, rookie Riley, Dougie, Dougie, we call it Dougie. Um, so Dougie is um, a very good rugby player and has been, just had her 50th cap actually, um, which is pretty awesome. I so, did see that. Good job. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but I actually played my first season of rugby union the year before, so I was a rookie, um, a mature age rookie. We, we <laughs> but it was really, I really tried to take in the experience, and it, it is really quite, um, you know, you're, you're coming in even at training, you're coming in, you don't know everything, um, you don't, and it made me really conscious when um, the likes of Riley came across that we do make sure that we, you know where um, there's so much of the little detail that you don't explain that we just because it's assumed knowledge because we've been doing it forever and even the language we talk um can be confusing so I was really trying to be consciously aware of um and and, and uh, Dougie wasn't the only rookie but consciously but particularly being a running back that she was just across it and just also not giving her too much information um just enough to be comfortable come come game day um and let her instincts do what she does and you saw what she can do um uh, very talented but what what I do give uh Dougie credit for is as much as there's one thing to um learn and get better and practice and everything like that and I can tell her stuff and I and I certainly and um was only telling her little bits I didn't um do everything there that was pretty much on um Dougie but uh, the way she was able to immediately apply it. So you some, say something to her and she immediately applies it. And that's just uh, that's just a history of playing sport and being coached and then doing coach, doing train, doing. Um, and that's why um, getting uh, people from other sports or with the sporting history, even they have no idea about gridiron, 
um, they can really pick it up quickly. We all did, I think. So, yeah, it was really good to see. I think that that's an excellent point on all the points, not giving rookies too much information, trying to relate it back to other sporting, you know, access to to sport that they've got, you know, transitions from sport to sport, try and find the skill sets that marry over and then just explain them a little bit differently tends to help as well. Um, you know, from from my perspective, Riley, you had an amazing campaign and I think it's so good that uh, you're going to be continuing on in this sport because, you know, the high caliber of athletes in other sports that we do get coming over and Hodjo, you'd be able to speak to this as well, being a very accomplished AFL player yourself uh and rugby league player you know the being able to bring in the girls from the other sports I think is so huge and Riley you had such a good point when you said we need to deliver a product that's worth while giving up paid money for you know um so I think you had such a valid point on that as well and pathways you know like when you look at these other sports and yeah gridiron is quite grassroots not just here but also in other countries but you know, having when you have to compete against rugby league and AFLW, which have these great pathways where girls can play, you know, not just get paid, but travel overseas. You know, Gridiron really struggles to give that same pathway because our sport has had these kind of troughs in, in our in recruitment. So something I'd like to see more, you know, be more available, obviously, to get girls to say, hey, look, you know, there's a couple of girls in your team that have played for Australia. That could be you you know, a couple of years if you if you're dedicated and really enjoy the sport. And it's it is has that 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 reach, but it is hard. Yeah, like I completely understand like and agree. And this is something we were discussing like back in like in Worlds last year in Finland. Like we were all having a chat with everyone like you know girls from New South Wales and WA were asking about the Queensland League and we were like well we don't have anything we and you know we were talking about it then like we need to have we needed like nationals to go ahead and at worst case if that didn't happen we needed a state of origin we needed something that was across at least two states because that recruitment potential then like you're recruiting for the the state you're not recruiting for the team and that's where like all some of these ideas started popping through about the expression of interest and you know gauging how many girls we were going to have to then essentially fit a league that we could mold with that number as opposed to getting you can like four different teams being like yeah we'll we'll do it we'll have a women's team and then like was mentioned earlier you get 10 girls in each one or you get 10 in one 20 in another and you're stuck with okay well what do we do now like these are those kind of things that like it's not something that just popped up out of nowhere it's it's been on the forefront of so many minds for so long that to finally have a product like like the origin series that we had something that we could deliver to multiple locations like it was girls from WA were still watching it and just things like that like that recruitment potential for us to show that it's not just a like a it's not like a local league it is an amateur league but it's not something that we take lightheartedly or anything like that just because we have a small amount of players like it's something that we take seriously and and that's the thing that I explained to everybody I'm like this isn't a sport that you can just turn up to training and go play 
you have to put that extra time in. But once you understand the game and like me, like I fell in love with it, the first pickup game I played, which was way too long ago, but it, it like those little intricacies, like um, Kay was saying before about, you know, the little things that come to us, like the back of our hand that we don't even think to tell other people. Once we explain it to them, it's like a light bulb moment. Like it, it's not that hard of a sport when you come down to it, but it is the hardest sport in my opinion. So to yeah, give that product that is fun and enjoyable is just it, it, that's like the goal. And to Hodge's point there, it'll be interesting because we got to have a state of origin. And um, so New South Wales and Queensland got to have something of on a national level this year. And um, some Victoria players got to, to be involved in that and some ACT. So it'll be interesting to see if, if there's any impact on WA um, because I, I do feel for WA. They, um, I felt like they missed out on something um, and they were, for, in my mind, one of the, the forefront teams to beat um, because they have such a strong league at the moment. But we've uh, Queensland have seen it. You can have a strong league for a couple of years and it can just really start to turn the other direction if, like Hojo said, there isn't that, you know, that little bit of a gold nugget to work towards um, and to... Um, and we've we've talked about how um, you know all of us are friends because we've played interstate um, and we've had those competitions. Um, so I think I think the value of it is unmeasured. So we need I, to. Continue. I think too that like you could even look at that at a at a more of a micro level from an in league situation. Like even if there was the capability at the end of the season to run an all-stars game like you guys have done an all-stars game victoria did an 11 aside all-stars game wa do an all-stars game like every year at 11 aside like i think that that should be like a non-negotiable when you're looking at putting together a season to try and i mean if there's not going to be a nationals at least you've got that like to try and just fill the gap where possible with these opportunities to grow and develop and learn and give opportunities for the veterans to stay engaged with the game which is just as important as getting rookie players into the game in the first place Yeah, and I just thought, um, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, Dougie, but um, coming from rugby, and I know rugby union is actually struggling as well, um, but is there anything that rugby union do that they do better than maybe gridiron or especially in that female recruiting, or is it just that they're able to sort of ride the curtails of the the male league? Yeah, yeah. Definitely rugby's um, struggling as well at the moment because everyone's going over to rugby league as, you know, we all know they're getting paid now and they've got a lot more benefits. But, um, yeah, I think especially my club, they definitely um, use the men a lot. Um, but I think it's it's a little bit more set up in the fact there's younger, like there's youth teams and they start at the age of, five or six the girls do now um but that I don't believe there's anything out there like that for gridiron in Australia um so yeah yeah so that infrastructure from from yeah yeah Yeah. from bringing them up really young yeah I think I mean you know if you don't plan you know there's a saying that's like plan if you don't plan then you fail or failure to prepare is 
planning to fail something. What I'm saying is that each like each state should have a specific women's strategy. Like if you plan this stuff out, at least you can work towards it. And you know, that's been a criticism at every single level in our sport. Infrastructure is bad, needs to be fixed, goals need to be put in place, measurables need to put in place. And knowing that, you know, the future of football is in good hands when it comes to Queensland with having Cody on the board and and you know the subcommittee there set up, uh, you know, we can really start to get this infrastructure put in there. Yeah, and further to that, and this is my big shout out, is um, another pattern that I've seen, particularly with the women, is not a lot of women um, jump on board to do the to to do the behind the scenes stuff. And that's that's there's a there's some you know reasons for that, and that's being that you know for a lot of the women in our team are mothers and have families, and just being able to commit to playing and training. And as Hodjo said, it's not a game you can just turn up on game day. You have to you have to put in the reps and the sets and learn the game and things like that. Um, so they don't have that extra time. But also there's and we've talked about this a million times, Stacey, about um, women aren't sure of how they can add value because they don't know enough or they you know they they don't know what they can do but it really comes down to and I really want to um, just uh, you know off the momentum of our subcommittee and um, we've got Cody on the board as well we've had we've had females on the GQ board before but um, they're really trying to get some stuff moving it's we just need hands on deck people to just do the odd thing you know help out on those um, those events like the open days you know um, just help out for an hour or, you know, once a week or whatever it is. Um, I think we just need to start really um, helping ourselves a lot too. So um, to keep the momentum going and leave the legacy of the of the game um, that we love, I think. So I think, and I, that's one thing that when I was playing um, for rugby for Sunnybank, it's very much um, a, a community and a family and the whole families there that help out and families come down. You know, um, we've got women there playing, uh, training with their whole um, kids and People are babysitting and things like that. So I think there's, there's, we can, there's, we've done a lot. We've pushed a lot. We've pushed hard. I know I'm tired, but there's more, there's more there to give, I think. And, um, I'm really excited that we've at least got the expression of interest. We've got the likes of, um, Hodjo, who's, um, you know, got so much knowledge about the game and, and who's willing to teach anyone like myself, willing to anybody who's interested, we're willing to talk, we're willing, anyone who's willing to learn, we're, we're willing to teach. It doesn't matter which, um, color you're wearing, which jersey you're wearing or which side of, um, of the border you come from. Um, and, and hopefully people have heard, um, Dougie's experience as a veteran and coming in and getting that support. Um, and us as veterans being acutely aware of that's the future of our game and that we want to support them in that and keep it growing. I think that that lends such an important, like, segue into like how important mentorship is in our sport. Like, I found I've found over the years that uh, there are many coaches out there and and many men that are involved with the sport, but everything's an island. You know, the information and the knowledge is is an island. It's it's with them and it stays with them. And and what you find is, you know, if that coach leaves that club, then you know the information goes with that coach. Um, I don't think that there's a place where women have access to a lot of information. And you know, knowledge is power, and that's you know. It, it is and especially in our game is is you know the power to influence uh the rookies experience on field um you know mentorship having veteran players take rookie players under their wing and making them comfortable is really the key to you know keeping everybody engaged to round this out riley mm, which one am i going to go to riley douglas 
best experience so far playing football and uh, advice for anyone wanting to pick it up this year? Ooh, best experience. Um, look, I've got to say my first tutty in the first game, but... <laughs> that wasn't caught on camera and, and uh, live streaming. I'm sorry. I apologize. Oh, for that. you want me to say it again? <laughs> So that was the best experience. Um, but also at the end of the second game where it was neck and neck, um, offense was on the sideline. It was very strange to me because usually you're out there in the last <laughs> in the last minutes of the game, but you know, gotta let the girls do their job. That that was awesome. Just oh, that that was great right there. Um and what was the other one? Worst experience? No, why you're coming? What advice you'd give to anyone oh, wanting to pick it up? Um, well, I was talking to some of the rugby girls, and they seem scared about coming. So I think these open days will be good, rather than just rock up to training. I think the open days will be a good segue into actually getting them to come. And even if they don't want to play. Even if they just come and meet everyone, that could be something right there. You know, I think that that's something that we get a lot is I'm scared. And it's like, are you scared of contact? But you you play a sport without pads. You hit people yeah. without pads. I don't understand where the scaredness comes from. It doesn't from. make sense to me either. Uh, I, I think it's what you see on TV. I think people just assume people are flying their bodies yeah. at you. Um, I know I, can, I was a rugby background as well, but... I don't know. I think once you get in it, it's it does hurt a lot more. I'm not going to lie. I think gridiron is much more of a painful sport than rugby. Uh, but it's also super addictive. So I think I like the strategy. And I think there's a bit of fear that I've always come out that it's too complicated. You know, you get that from rookies being like, what is going on? That, you know, that first little where that learning period is learning the new language. But I think it's one of those things that uh, if you get the right personality and just lean into their talents early on, then they get that, that, oh, I'm actually really good at this. Like, so. And because there's kind of a sport and position for everyone, a little bit like rugby that, you know, every shape and size can play, you know, you just have to find them and, and find the right culture and team. Like the best teams I've been on, including rugby, were the ones where you went there and you felt like home. It was family. Like you were just instantly grabbed by some of the warm ups or it was social and they were doing something afterwards and you got to know everyone a little bit more personally. And, and there was that grab that like, oh, I want to be with these girls because you're putting your body on the line for them. And I don't know if it's more, a little bit more so. It, it's kind of in both sports, but for some reason, because everyone's on the line in rugby, you might feel that sense of like, if I don't, you know, I'm I'm protecting the girl next to you. But you do that in in gridiron, but in a different way. So, well, there's lots of similarities and different and similar personalities join the sport, but it's just, I guess you have to find what draws you in. Everyone's experience will obviously be different. Oh, Joe, veteran. I'm sure you've got many amazing experiences. I'm sure. I mean, you know, the women's gridiron social media pages filled with just your incredible catches but do you have one that's like the moment of moments for you over your time um probably my I'll say that like first year we won the summer bowl I think it was called back then um and it was big because it was the yeah the first league uh, first year the Stingrays were a league. It was fight my first season, and we were playing the Jets, who not 
three weeks earlier, I think it was the last season, uh, last game of the regular season, they had gotten the win over us. We had gotten the win over them in the first round and then it was us against them in the finals and they had won the year before. So they were the favourites and everything and it was a close game. I think it was 12 to 6 or something like that, end score, like just that adrenaline of that entire game like and then to come away with the win like yeah I just I, I just love the sport like the strategy behind it like Alia said before it's just like a physical chess game like you have to be thinking 10 steps ahead at all times and able to change your game plan at any given moment like it's just uh, yeah I probably could name you a hundred different moments in my very long playing time that are up there with the top. But that one is probably the one that sticks to mind. Getting winded in that game, excellent, the best. Did you score? Did you score in that game? I did. I I got a – was it that game? Oh, no, I'm thinking of another game. No, I didn't now that I remember. No, I didn't. Moran, did you score in that game? I, I I believe I got the only six, yeah, I think um, the six points. But but two Riley's points. So she's talking about a, a great rivalry between Jets and Stingrays um, that went for many years. We had great battles. And I would, you know, we, we're not looking to stand up a Stingrays team at the Gold Coast just yet. We're keeping it probably just in in and around uh, Brisbane. But that that I would love to in the future to make sure that we can build this league so that we can have a Stingrays. Have, they still have their men's team, but Stingrays have been one of the most predominant clubs um, in the Queensland League and it's just just feels really wrong to me that they, um, just like we don't have the Jets, but it feels really wrong that we don't have a team there. Um, so that's another thing, that a catchment area that I'd love to see get up. But um, it's so funny when Riley says, you know, in my many years of playing because right up until maybe, I don't know, maybe this this campaign of State of Origin, Riley, uh, Hodjo, I have, she's been baby, she was always the baby. She was always the little one, she was the young one. So she's, she's not anymore, which makes me older. Anyway. me i'm grandma <laughs> well i mean you guys had a bunch of like 16 year olds 17 year olds playing with you guys up there like you know that like moran you're talking like a good 30 year age gap there like what the heck that is not my strong suit that's not my strong yes, suit. i started playing in my 30s correct there we go there we go that's what i meant that's what i meant <clears throat> dig up stupid all right, Riley's. This has been a pleasure. Uh, we really hope that we see you guys get up. We really hope that it's a, a good, good experience for everybody. We're going to be covering everything uh, down here on the on the podcast, and you know, I'm looking forward to nationals again and playing you guys again, and just you know, getting all amongst it and seeing how far you've come. Riley Douglas is going to be an interesting watch, that's for sure. So thanks for joining us. All right, now that we've said goodbye to the Rileys, I just really wanted to touch on how uh, this weekend coming up is the first ever interstate flag football challenge. We're not calling it nationals, I don't think, because I don't think it's actually like official official, but flag is up, non-contact version of the sport. And from someone, I've like obviously I've played flag for, gosh, I don't even know, like six or seven years now at least. 
Uh, Moran, this is your first foray into the non-contact arena, obviously, this last couple of seasons that you've had with Brisbane Flag. How many people are you going to face palm is my question. So, there, um, so we, I, I have um, only played a few social uh, games up in here, uh, up in Brisbane, um, and obviously they're mixed against men. And there are a number of Brisbane men who have got a surprise palm to the chest or face that they were not expecting. Um, I am learning the rules as I go by trial and error. Um, so somebody flying down the other side of the sideline, I can't run across and go, well, I'm not going to get his flag, so I'll just shove him out of the field. Also not allowed. So it'll be – and I've asked the question of the coaches, how many penalties until you just get <laughs> So it's been a learning curve for me. Let's just say I'm an old dog learning new tricks after 10 years of absolutely just drumming in running back skills for me. Um, but I, I have the team have been working beautifully um, and we've had some great training sessions. So I am learning the ropes. But look, let's see what happens in the competition. I make no promises and I apologize. Do you know if, you know if it's going to be streamed? Because, like, obviously I'm overseas, so I'm missing out. But I, really I don't I don't know if it is. I mean, I haven't heard that it is going to be, but I, I think it will be recorded. Um, so potentially we could get some of that footage. I don't really know. Um I'm but really I, excited, though. Yeah, New Zealand is apparently coming too. Mm-hmm. For the but what I have loved about it is that um, there's actually a few girls. That obviously, there's been a, a league here for a while, and ha- doesn't have a lot of females. So, um, we've, uh, there's been a few of us Ravens sort of um, leading the charge there. But um, we do have a few just purely flag players, female players, which is really great to have met. So it feels like a completely new. Uh, team, so there's obviously some familiar faces there, but there'll be some new people there that that you guys as contact players won't have met before. Um, so it's really exciting too, and they're really great, great ladies, great girls. Yeah, isn't, isn't that the same for New South Wales? They see a few players there because I remember they posted a picture of all the girls from Combine, and there was half the girls that I had never seen before. So yeah, I think it's it's yeah, been a similar um, thing. Yeah, it's been a similar thing. But what what I found really interesting is because I've been playing flag for so long, I've been like with my contact recruiting helmet on always. Uh, you know, I play play flag against these girls, and I'm like, oh my god, you would you know come and play contact. And over the course of the last six or seven years, uh, running the social leagues that we have down here, like I've brought in like four girls to the sport. But it's been a it's been a long game, like recruiting for the long game, like like three or four years of every year, every couple of games. Hey, come on, contact, we're in preseason. You haven't missed out. Come on, and we finally got them. Um, you know, to come down and join some contact. But now I'm just so proud to know that I know these girls finally have a place to play pure flag because that's where they started and that's where they're really good. Um, and I think it's going to be a really, really good tournament. I think we're looking at like, you know, minimum of, you know, five to seven games or something like that. I think it's like four games on the Saturday and then a couple on the Sunday and then you've got elimination and you know, how the round robin uh, works out. So, I mean, I'm going to be sore. I'm going to need an ice bar. That's for sure. Like, I don't, I don't know how the body's going to go. Very different on the body, isn't it? And what I like about it is it's um such a quick read on on either side oh, of the um it's just so the same um yeah that and you know uh, it's just a different way of getting our gridiron fix. Uh, sometimes I get a little bit more than that, but then I should. But um yeah, I just I have 
enjoyed watching some of the contact players convert over to it and learn starting to because some of these girls they've been playing forever that learning something new they don't get that opportunity much it's sort of learning more of the same or teaching other people um but and also watching um and learning from other girls who have experience in it so they they are able to come in as senior players as flag players so uh that's great too i've really enjoyed that i think it's been I definitely a- have Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think it's been a humbling experience for many contact players to know. 100%. You know, like, yes, you might be big, fast and strong, but are you quick and agile and, you know, have the hips like Shakira, you know, like, um, so, well, yeah. It's funny because I've spent all the years trying to keep, as a running back, keep my hips like level and straight and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's completely different. So it absolutely has been humbling for me. And look, I wouldn't say flag is my thing, but I'm enjoying trying something new and learning with the girls. So. And I think it's just an important, like, you know, if we consider the fact that this is the first ever tournament of its kind, the first ever, like, you know, uh, elevated even though there's not there's no like leagues that exist aside from social leagues. So it's bridging that gap for these social players who are actually really good to go and play at a representative level, which is a new aspect for the sport, which is part of the participation growth. Um, but it's also a really good way to initiate new players into your club. Like, you know, if your club doesn't run a flag season, uh, they should. Uh, one, it serves two purposes. One, it gets everyone socially involved. You know, you mix the teams up, like all that sort of stuff. It encourages more female participation. And then two, you use it as a fundraiser for your club, you know. So that's, you know, that's generally how, you know, from a fundraising perspective, social flag can be such a good moneymaker. If it's a good tournament, you've got a, you've got a field ready to go. Um, and it's just a, a way of fundraising and, you know, potentially recruitment that doesn't involve Bunnings barbecues and flipping sausages. And, and- <laughs> You heard, um, you heard, uh, Dougie, um, rookie Riley say that her rookie experience and when we asked her what, you know, what it's been like and why it's hard to convert and, um, some fear there. So that's kind of that inter- in, intermediate step. Yeah. Absolutely. You've got the skills. You've, you, you see how, you know, the hugging of the ball and the running and the catching. Um, so they just, just gets them a little closer to making it less scary and getting to know the girls. So I totally agree, Stacey. I think it's a great idea. And all yeah. the international opportunities as well that are coming up. Like, I believe there's the, there's some sort of Asia Cup or similar in Malaysia. It's like the end of the year in October, November. And, you know, and again, another opportunity to potentially represent your country in a sport that you might be naturally geared of because of your seventh player, Oztag, or, you know, it, it's it's got so much flexibility that other sport players can jump in and then get these great opportunities quickly on that uh, I hope, I hope girls like, you not just tune in, but like all, all, all athletes, you know, not just women, but I know that's our platform, but, you know, I think it's, it's going to put our sport a little bit more on the map, puts with some well, I mean, we're looking at we're looking at Olympics uh, flag as a demonstration sport twenty twenty eight uh, in LA. So that's that's the goal, and the roadmap looks like you know uh, the world. It's not a World Cup. The World Cup's in Finland next year. It's the World Games. World Games coming up in Malaysia, October this year, and then Finland for the World Cup next year. And again, Australia has to go through the whole qualifying process and. You know, we'll have to play New Zealand for our Oceania spot and, you know, what it looks like from that level. But there is structure to it, which is super exciting, first of all. Um, but also, too, I think that it also bridges the gap in in our contact sport where you've got the girls that don't 
aren't hardcore into it like we are and crazy, but just want to show up for the camaraderie. You know, they they don't care if they play every snap. They're just there to, you know, they're not they're the ones that aren't at training often because they're not putting in that extra effort because, you know, well, for whatever reason, it might just be social for them. But as we know, it's really hard to have a social component, like a social physical component of our sport because it is so violent and contact heavy so flag really i think can bridge that gap um and kind of bring the two cultures together uh and i think that that's what we need to do as as a country is embrace flag it's super fun super fun to coach super fun to play um and gridiron new south wales interstate flag challenge coming up next weekend with i think act new south wales queensland gridiron australia invitational team I'm not sure about Victoria or WA just yet, but I think SA is coming over for the men. So it's going to be blockbuster. I'm super excited. I'm super excited to see you again, Moran. It's been a while. Place all books. Yeah. Um, you know, this is, I, I think um, there was somebody else that said, oh, we get to see you again twice in one year. I mean, <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for tonight. This has been a super fun episode. Uh, the Rileys were excellent uh, and flag, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, uh, because the tournament's happening, we will be looking at posting out another Rewind episode. So I'm going to go back through the archives and find some really good guests. Say, I'm not – oh, did I just interrupt your – You did. You just yeah, interrupted my outro. It's almost like we can't do an outro. Either you freeze and black out or we just... Uh... Wow. I just forgot we were recording. Sorry. <laughs> it's a little recording thing in the top left. I'm leaving this in. Just an FYI. <laughs> just an FYI. So as I was saying... Sorry, Moran, you speak. What did you have to say? It was clearly important. I was going to say, yeah, because we won't be back this week. In fact, we'll, I'll be in a, on a flight and Ali is the only one who who dials in and is committed to this podcast and calls from Spain when she's sitting in her seat. So, no. Well, yeah, like Ali's going to be on a flight as well. I think everyone's going to yeah. be traveling. Everyone's going to be just knackered. So we're going to post another Rewind episode uh, for next week. So we're going to go back, have a look at some of the good guests that we've had over the last three seasons and, and repost that one. So stay tuned. Uh, and Good luck with preseason, everybody, and we will see you guys next week.